Hello and welcome to this podcast. I'm Laura Horton. And I'm Michael Bentley. Wow, it's July. Oh, how did that happen? We're full of beans, aren't we, Michael? We are, because we've been away on holiday. Well, not together, but we've been away on holiday. (laughs) I've just come back from Dublin working. I can't, it's been a busy month. Yeah, it's been, it's it's great. So yay, wonderful, lovely. Um, Our last podcast, well, that really um, set things off, really. Um, We ended it very quickly with a question about charging late patients. We had already had a question, we'd had to bump over to this month about patients that failed to attend. Um, And so now we've just had quite a few questions coming through about charging patients, how to do it, um, people um, rightly concerned about, you know, getting a bad reputation for charging people. I think that's the number one objection. So we're going to discuss with you today about charging patients and systems. We've got other great questions about music in reception, doing appraisals with associates, um, waiting times and closing down for holidays. And then another one. We've got to get all these in today, Michael, uh, about social yeah, media. We're having a little like, oh, moment as yeah. well. Yes, I, I we were. I didn't hear <laughs> Uh, let's let's start then okay so systems for charging patients I think our advice is very simple and as always I'm going to say you need a system however let's just discuss this any patient that causes white space in your diary needs to fall under the same system you don't have a separate system for people that arrive late and can't be seen a separate system for people who cancel late and a separate system for people who fail they've all got to fall under the same system so that the team can then act with autonomy to be able to deal with all of these instances that are happening um, with your patients and you don't want to be charging a patient the first time they offend as it were because we are all human and people can make genuine mistakes every once in a while so I think if someone does fail an appointment and it's, it, you know, it's genuine, it's the first time they've ever done it, I wouldn't be charging them. Um, if it's the first time they've arrived really late and can't be seen, again, I wouldn't charge them. And if it's the first time they've cancelled late, uh, I wouldn't charge them either. I would really like to stress that one of the number one problems with uh, accepting cancellations is that A lot of people say 24 hours and it's just really not enough time. You need to request 48 working hours notice for patients to amend appointments. So if a patient has an appointment at 11 a.m. on Monday morning, they need to have informed you by 10.59 a.m. on Thursday. Okay, Um, you shouldn't be accepting amendments by email or answer phone. You need to look at your auto responses. You need to look at your answer phone message if that's happening to you. For people to change an appointment, they have to speak to the team. But really, that's where I want to start, just by stressing that everybody has to fall into that same system. So the first time they do one of those things, I would let them off. The second time, I would charge them. So if Michael, for example, cancelled an appointment late last week and I've let him off, and today he's arrived far too late for his appointment, he can't be seen, today he's going to be charged because it's his second offence. I'm going to collect that fee to rebook his appointment and 
oh, I don't want to open a can of worms with deposits, but if I was taking, a, hopefully I'd already got a deposit as well. If not at this point, two, you know, two examples of messing this around, I'd be inclined to take a deposit. Perhaps you people might want to send questions about that. We can ask, uh, answer those next month. The third time, well, the third time a patient messes you around in a period of, let's say, you know, 18 months, let's be nice and realistic as well. By the time you get to that stage, I would be definitely charging the patient, definitely collecting the charge, and I'd be requesting full prepayment for any appointments that are booked ever again. And that should stop this patient messing you around. If they mess you around once more, I'd be inviting them to leave the practice in a lovely, lovely way. So I think that's where I'll, I'll sit with that, that everyone falls into the same system, you know, let them off the first time, but, you know, be strong and, and have a system going forward. And then, Mike, I'll hand over to you and you can, you can take over from here. Yeah, this is a really big topic, <laughs> one that I spend a lot of time, as you know, working with practices. And I call this, you know, what makes my diary run late systems. And it's actually about, as you've already pointed out, you know, the patients that run late, arrive late for appointments, being proactive and calling patients to find out where they are, actually patients that don't turn up at all, try and cancel when they're, they haven't cancelled in the right notice period. And also our lovely cl clinicians that are also late, which is another problem that affects the desk. We can't give you all those verbal skills in a podcast it's too much and when i'm writing these verbal skills with practices as you know that i do on a regular basis is that actually it comes out with 10 to 12 pages full of verbal skills and actually the best way of starting is to say to the front desk if a patient's late what would they say to you and let's come up with an answer that we all we all say the same thing and you need to do that with absolutely every question that a patient asks. And actually what you find is it just is it's a bit of a snowball effect. You know, if I say this and then they say that, what's the response to that? And then if they say that's the response to that, what do I now say? And if we get we get you get to a point where actually if a patient, for an example, has failed an appointment and you've let them off the first time and they failed again and then you're going to charge the patient and you choose an appropriate system to do that. And let's say, you know, you chose a pound a minute or euro uh, per minute, which is what we recommend that you do. And it was an hour's appointment. It's going to be a 60 pound or 60 euro charge. If the patient is unhappy, you know, with the fact that you are going to charge them for the appointment, you need another verbal skill for their unhappiness, don't you, Laura? And then you need another verbal skill if they're not happy with the response to their unhappiness. And ultimately, it will probably get to a point where you may have to say to a patient, well, it sounds like to me that you do want to complain and then you need to do a complaints system. So the mm -hmm. front desk have got an option at some point to go, it sounds like you're really unhappy, Laura. We've exhausted all the options that I have for you today. I can understand that you're not happy with, you know, the responses that I've given to you. And it's now time to put those points that you have down in an email or in writing and therefore that our practice manager then can do an investigation about the concerns that you have and come back to you with an appropriate response 
because the front desk will have followed the systems that you've already set up, it will mean that the front desk are right, but the front desk don't need to say we are right. But what will happen with management is that patient will be asked to leave the practice because obviously the systems that you've got in place do not work for that particular patient. And that's the type of level that you've got to write the systems on. It, we're not I'm not fanning around with it here because actually, you know, there is a lot of work to do in this area and it's yeah. and it's difficult work and it's all about verbal skills. As Laura and I say, we do have a verbal skill for everything. We can make a verbal skill for everything. But then we're looking at now, if you want somebody to write those for you, then we're into a, a coaching situation where we would sit and work out the right verbal language for your particular team. But if you want to do that on your own, that's what you've got to do. And the desk are very good at going, this is what the patient would say next, or that's what they'll say next. Or, you know, actually a practice I was working with last week said, you know, I want to talk to somebody senior was the language I was given last week by the by my four front desk professionals I was working with. And I went said, right, no problem at all. Let's put a verbal skill together for that scenario. Yeah. So sometimes it's all about the wording from your particular patients that we've then got to transcribe the verbal skill into. But it is about having a system green, amber, red traffic light system, as Laura's explained already. Um, and we need to deal with the people, the clinicians in practice as well. It is your job as clinicians to run your diaries on time. And if you're not doing that, I would say you can't put a cancellation system in your practice because actually patients will throw it into the front desk phase of going, well, you run late for me, so I'm going to run late for you. So you have to get your stall sorted first before you can start to sort out the patients and then a bit like as we said in the June podcast you need to do a bit of a reset in practice and once you've got all your ducks in a row and you've put all your verbal skills in place and you've sorted out all the clin clinicians times and you are running uh, on time as a practice then you can start to say well we'll introduce all of the cancellation systems from September so there's a lot of work to do in this area. Again, it's an area that lets practices down because they don't want to have the confrontation with patients and therefore they let the patients roar the roost as a detriment to other patients that are actually arrive for their appointments on time and then they start to get negative with you because they're not being seen at the time that they want to be seen at. So this is a big area. Yeah. It is huge area and we are hopefully that helps that you, you've got a system now for those that are listening um and but just want to reiterate it's hard work to get it going so uh, we wish you lots of luck hopefully you can add that into a team meeting right next question so we've still got quite a few to get through uh music in reception what are our thoughts well i have to say when i go into a practice and the tv's on and it's on the news uh, or jeremy kyle i have seen um, it's horrendous. The news is negative. Um, it's not a great thing. And I think when you're looking to enhance your patient experience, you really want to focus on the ambience that you're you're creating. So music for me is a big plus, a big part of the ambience that, that you're creating in, in your business. So uh, definitely have music. And what type of music we are being asked? It's got to be easily listening. It's got to be, you know, soul music. It's so inoffensive to everybody it, it really is and uh, you've got to choose something that you know suits your brand it's right um but just in all honesty if i had to you know go into your patient lounge and listen to classical 
that might be too pretentious for your brand or it might be spot on for your brand you know you've really got to make that choice but you know soul is just so inoffensive and the other thing i'd say is don't have it too low make sure if you're going to play music people can actually hear it um without a doubt now we're going to move on to the next question michael you can answer this one can we appraise yeah are you ready can we appraise our associates Oh, it's a really good question. I love it. It's brilliant. Question as well. What I would say with associates is that you can't do a normal appraisal, but what you can do is you can do a clinical peer review with them. You definitely want to be doing a professional development plan for them because remember now they've got to be done five years in advance. So that is definitely something that you should be working with the associates on. You can involve the associates in a financial review as well, which I do recommend that you do. So you talk about their diary. So you talk about the effectiveness of their diary zone, their occupancy levels, the marketing investment that's been made in the practice, that you actually talk about you know, the, the nurses and the, the support team that they get. And you definitely need to be asking for their input on how they are being supported at chairside and at the front desk and if you've got treatment coordinators as well then you should be going through that with them too i would definitely be doing observations with the dentist and in fact this came up last week as well that actually for a lot of dentists they spend all of their careers never being observed by anybody other than the nurses that they work with and the nurses never actually say anything about the dentists and maybe how they're looking at what they're doing and how they could maybe improve a verbal skill to a patient or do things differently so that appointments can run more successfully and be you know much better for the patient and for the practice so as managers you have the opportunity and the same practice managers now or owners you have the opportunity to review people uh, review the dentist going into as observations of comprehensive assessments routine examinations and treatment appointments to confirm what type of language dentists are using whether the patients are understanding are they setting the patients suitable goals are they explaining plans correctly are they talking about guarantees alternative solutions are they doing for patients where they need more time to think about decisions so there's a lot that you can do with dentists remember when they're self-employed we can't actually specifically do an appraisal that's a bit you know that's a bit of an area where we need to be mindful of because they are self-employed but if you think about what i've just said in a summary you can do a professional development plan with the dentist to see what they're going to do over the next five years and the areas of growth and the areas of education that they're going to go into you need to be doing that now anyway because that's that's part of what we should be doing secondly you can be doing observations thirdly they should definitely be involved in feedback about other team members and that will also get an idea of actually what they do think of the team and we, when I set up an appraisal system with practices and I get dentists to all be involved in actually grading uh, the nurses support and the front desk and treatment coordinators what's interesting is their opinion of what they think is suitable support and actually might find that what they believe they need and actually what the practice believes they need is is again a different level isn't it you know it's totally different and you need to make sure that you know the dentists understand what you're going to give them to work with 
I think that's that's so important as well. So that's mm. an interesting journey that you can go on with them. And you definitely need to be doing a financial review and you do need to be doing clinical peer reviews. And that includes doing all the audits that would be necessary. So doing radio, radio, radiography audits. You need to definitely be doing a clinical notes audit. You know, there's not enough practices doing clinical notes audits. That's a, always a worry with me. And you should be working on trying to work in a brand message together. So that's trying to use the same labs if you can, use the same equipment if you can, validate the same guarantees so that you're actually building a brand as a practice and not having three or four dentists working in entirely different ways, which is, again, something that Laura and I do not agree with. So hopefully that gives you some insight on the ways that you can appraise a dentist without doing an appraisal. <laughs> I have to say, Michael, that was a fantastic answer to a wonderful question. Um, waiting times is the subject of the next question. And the question is this. How long is too far for a patient to wait for an appointment in a private practice? We're booking eight weeks ahead for a crown prep. My boss doesn't see it as a problem, but I do. OK, now we have discussed in previous podcasts diary zoning and I'd like to invite you to go to the library section of the web website to look and listen to previous podcasts and also to look at an article on diary zoning because it's really going to support you in this process. I would like to let this person know that I agree with you that eight weeks is far too long um, for a patient to be waiting for a prep. We're talking, you know, an hour, hour and 15 minute appointment for a single unit crown prep. And that is too far. You know, these patients are probably paying, you know, huge amounts of money for this appointment and they're having to wait far too long. So I do agree with you. But the problem is your diary zoning. And as the manager, that's something that you'll be able to lead really well. So. In summary, yeah, I agree. I'm sure, Michael, you do too. Eight weeks is too far. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah, I mean, you've lost all the momentum, haven't you? That, you know, you can't do that with patients. We're back to something called diary zoning, aren't we? Another really big topic. Yeah, so that's why just... Honestly, we have answered a huge question and discussed it in great detail in previous podcasts. So I would invite you to go and listen to that. And if, if you're or even if you have diary zones and you're thinking it's not quite working, listen to our tips and then ask, you know, feel free. Please do ask us further questions from there. Um, but just so you can go back and say, oh, Laura, Michael agree. It's definitely far too far. And yeah. then as a manager. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, the thing that is coming across to us, isn't it, that actually if if people have got to be working on any project as a vision plan, if you have if you're not doing diary zoning already, then it's definitely the ASAP project that you should be working on. Because if you think about anything else, marketing, you know, and you're trying to increase patient numbers, you need to have sorted your diaries before you do that. Because if you're increasing footfall or foot flow or f yeah, what is it called? Foot fall. Yeah, even. <laughs> Well, that's it if you can if you're increasing footfall then you then and your diaries aren't correct then you're going to have issues moving forward and the effect just isn't on the new patient it also affects the existing patients as well and remember that existing patients will equally drop away and this is interesting as well isn't it when practices say we're really busy 
and they start to talk about conversion rates and that we're really successful, they don't see people walking away from the practices when you are really, really busy. It's not until practices go a bit quieter do they suddenly go, oh, what's happened? Mm. And actually, if you did diary zoning as your project, that what's happened shouldn't happen to you very often yes i totally understand that january is a quiet month for most dental practices around the whole of you know the uk and europe it's not you know it, it, it's you know it's not something that you know uh happens to one practice not a unique problem uh, but that doesn't happen in all practices some practices have an amazing january because they're diary zoned um, and it's not a shock for me that, you know, we do a lot more root therapy, you know, from September to November. It's not that far away. It's a bit like emergencies in the last podcast. Actually, we know that there's going to be an increase in those months. So if you don't have the available time for that, that's when you're begging staff to stay later, running through lunch hours, doing additional sessions. And actually, that's not solving the problem. So diary zoning is something that all practices should be doing. And if you've done that completely, then congratulations to you. Yeah. And if you're if you've done it and you've got concerns, uh, you know, please send your questions over. We'll be really happy to help uh, answer your questions on that. Two questions. And we've probably got three minutes for these two. I like this. This one. Is it possible to close down for holidays? Yes. It is, is the simple answer. And I um, used to work in practice that where we used to do that. And it was absolutely fantastic. I think one of the main benefits is everybody comes back equally fresh. You know, Michael and I, we've both just had breaks at the same time. And we did that last year as well. And we always do that at Christmas. And isn't it great, you know, that everyone comes back equally energised. That's that's just such an amazing thing. Um, what you have to do is just, again, sort out your systems. Who's going to be dealing with your emergencies? How are you going to work it? But without a doubt, yes, if you want to close down for holidays, you can. Um, and, you know, look into that, put some plans into place. And if you've got more questions please come back to us. Is there anything you'd like to add in 30 seconds, Michael? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not in 30 seconds, no. <laughs> right, last question. I think we're doing well getting through all of these today. Um, and I, I like this one. Like he said, I love these, I love these. But we honestly really enjoy doing this hangout and answering your questions. So that's why, you know, we are passionate about it and we do enjoy it. So this question, we use Facebook for social media for our dental practice we don't seem to have many patients pressing like anymore on our posts is it worth doing facebook let's talk about facebook let's talk about social media there's so much of it and we're all lazy aren't we we're so lazy now that it's got to be something deeply emotional for me to go to the energy of pressing like <laughs> and and if I'm going to press like well I'm going to take that one step further and you might get a heart or a wow or a you know laughing emoji whatever it might be and the reason Facebook you know brought in those other options instead of just pressing like is because people have become so lazy that people aren't pressing like and you don't need to worry about that don't worry about it what you need people to be looking at. Aren't they? That's, that's yeah, people, the thing. Yeah. 
people are reading. So what you need to look at is reach. So you need to look at your Facebook insights and it will give you your reach for your post. So, you know, we're going to put a link out about this podcast. If nobody pressed like, I'm not going to get upset about it. If I look at the insights and no one's clicked the link to read it and the reach is really low, then I'm going to be upset, you know, um, because that will be disappointing. But it's not about getting likes. Don't worry about that. You've got to understand your insights because we're all lazy with social media now. I would agree. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And actually, interestingly enough, I went to the theatre with a, a friend of mine that I hadn't seen for a long time. And I know that they're not very Facebook likey. They don't actually even put any posts on Facebook. But there he was scrolling through Facebook. Mm. And I was like, how interesting is that? Only posts about 10 times a year. And yet we've got friends in common and they were reading the same stuff that I know I read earlier today. So I'm much more of a, I will like that, support people and, you know, put a comment and things like that. I'm, I'm that type of person. You're so nice. (laughs) We judge, you know, social media by what we would do. And actually you can't do that. It's, you know, you still got to keep putting your messages out there because people are quiet. You know, it doesn't mean to say that they're not reading and they don't have an opinion on something. Yeah, they they will have an opinion. And that's the important thing. And we're back to, you know, again, if your reach is low, you need to be boosting your posts so that they do go further and they're read by more people. And that's Mm -hmm. what it is, really. It's about handing out newspapers, isn't it, really? You know, some people will go to a shop and buy one. Other people, you know, will allow one to be posted through their letterbox, you know, and some people will read it online and some people, you know, will only have a paper if it's handed to them in a tube station, for an example. So, you know, yeah, well, that's probably me as well, to be honest. So, you know, at the end of the day, if you just think about the Metro newspaper, for an example, you know, it's a good example of like how many people read the same newspaper. Yeah. There are a lot of people, you know, it, 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 and it is about, you know, the cascade effect, isn't it? And that's what reach is about. If you do get people liking, you are going to increase your natural reach without you paying for it. Yes, of course, that's going to happen. But actually, you know, the difference between a business post and a friendship post is people are more likely to like a friendship post than they are to like a business post. That's just reality. And the other thing, because I'm in musical theatre, you need to think about this. When I'm in a show and there's 45 people of us in a cast, for an example, we're all told this post is going out on at this time. Would you all please share it this evening? And we up our share percentage by a major way because we've been asked to share. And I know that is something in the past that I asked my team to do. And you've got to have this conversation with your team, haven't you, that you all share things at the same time for more impact. And that's just another little tip, isn't it? Because what will happen with your team is if you do lots of posts, the team don't like and share everything. So if you are in larger teams, then that is maybe another opportunity that you have. But they're not going to like and share everything. 
they're just not going to but wow. there are some businesses that have created you know um separate accounts for key team members so they can keep a private account and have a business account as well so there's lots of stuff that you can do in this area but again it's time isn't it time planning systems all of those things we, we sort of start where we finish we're back to beautiful <laughs> systems in practice and <laughs> um, just one final tip michael's just mentioned then you have to boost posts so you do need to have a budget for facebook marketing and that should come out of your marketing budget so something else just to discuss uh, back in practice what should your budget be we're going to have to leave it there we've managed to answer all your questions please keep them coming we are loving them they are great we're getting a wonderful mix of questions and uh, hopefully our top tips are helping and supporting you in practice. We wish you a wonderful uh, July and uh, we will be back next month. So thank you very much. Take care. Yes, take care, everyone. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please subscribe so you can be notified of our next episode.